The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. You're probably wondering why Patrick Allen isn't introing us as he always does. He's right here alongside me, though. No worries. We're going to talk a lot of things Chiefs offseason. We're going to Talk a little bit about uh, some of the comments the Bucks had about the Chiefs after their Super Bowl win. Uh, but first, we're just going to quickly get into a few other topics. And uh, I'm leading in because we're going to lead off with the sad news uh, of Therese Paler passing away at 37 years old. If you're a Chiefs fan, you undoubtedly know who Therese Paler is and was. He was uh, a, a longtime writer over at the Kansas City Star. He covered high school sports. He covered uh, Sporting KC. And then in 2013, right as Andy Reid got here, uh, Therese ascended to uh, Kansas City Chiefs beat writer and was there up until the last two seasons where he worked as the uh, national NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, senior national NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. Uh, he passed away on Tuesday morning at the age of 37. Um don't know cause of that doesn't really matter. Look, uh, just wanted to quickly get into this. It's been a it's been a sad week in Chiefs Kingdom. Look, forget the game. Okay, the game's a game. Everybody's gonna live and move on. Um, Marty Schottenheimer obviously passing away here in the last few days. We talked about that uh, on the on the last show. Um, you know, dying of Alzheimer's disease at seventy seven. Yeah. And as tragic as that is, and it certainly is, whenever you lose somebody who's so young, I think the, the natural tendency, and certainly mine, is to always wonder what would have been. Um, and Therese certainly is a light that uh, will be sorely missed. You know, I became friends with Therese. I knew Therese. I'm uh, not going to sit here and say, you know, we were talking every day, but the kind of friends, you know, we text, hey, Merry Christmas, man. Hope you're well. Uh, see him out on the road. Uh, always loved seeing Therese in Indianapolis at the Combine. Always seemed we'd run into each other. We'd talk for a while. Um, if you knew Therese, if you ever ran into him, if you, if you if you had any kind of interaction with him, you always had a smile on your face because he always did. He always had this great laugh, and he, he would always have a ton of energy. Um, he was one of my favorite people to see on the road. And I'll say this, and I'll, I'll close with this because – so much has been said. If you're on Twitter, you've undoubtedly seen so many tributes to him and deservedly so. Um, Therese was one of the few sports writers who you really loved running into. Um, and that was because he was the rarest of things among sports writers. He was happy. And I, I will miss seeing his happy face and reading all of his great work. Nobody worked harder. Nobody loved football more. To see him gone, um, it was crushing. It, and it is crushing. It really is. Like, you know, people, I think, sometimes overuse those terms. Losing Therese really um, hurts. 
It really, it, it really does. It really does. Um, but in any event, look, I thought it was only proper to lead that off. I know, you know, he wasn't exclusively covering the Chiefs anymore, but if you're someone who loves the Chiefs and reads about the Chiefs, it was impossible not to love and appreciate Therese. Yeah, and his work was so fantastic when he covered Kansas, all his NFL work when he went over to Yahoo. But, you know, as Chiefs fans, we were familiar with his work here in KC. And then when he went over to Yahoo, like any time, he, he still kept those Chiefs articles churning out, right? That was sort of his base audience. And, of course, the Chiefs yep. were really good, so they were worth writing about all the time. And, um, you know, there's certain, like, People on social media, Chiefs fans, any fans, right? We we can be unfair. We get emotional. Like Adam Teicher, right? He takes a lot of heat from people. Um, it, it's not deserved. But, you know, if he ever says anything negative about the Chiefs, people are piling on him. And I always thought it was interesting that Therese was one of those guys. Like, I just you never saw anybody say a negative word about him on Twitter on from his analysis or anything like that. And I think it was just it was it was so well informed. And I think that a lot of those personality traits that you mentioned came through in his podcasts and his written work to fans that maybe had never met Therese, but they just sort of knew that you can read between the right. lines, the passion that he had for the game, the chiefs, and that's infectious. That's an infectious feeling. And it's one of the reasons why it's one of the reasons why we try to keep a positive note on this show. And it's one of the reasons why we try to, build a personal relationship with you, our listeners. It's not just because, um, you know, we love you guys. We do, but we just think it's the right way to go about producing content. There's a lot of misery in the world all the time. And especially these last few years and with COVID, there's a lot of people who are unhappy and we just don't, <laughs> we don't need to spread any more of that. And I, and Therese was one of those people as well, who, who just went around and it changes when you're around people like that, it changes everybody in that circle, right? And I think that's something that's really special. Yeah, I'll I'll leave it at this. But I was just thinking about this, and it reminded me of something that was funny. Um, last time I saw him, actually, uh, at least the last time I think I saw him was at the combine in Indianapolis. And obviously, right after that, everybody stopped traveling because of COVID. So that was pretty much it. But I saw him, and I was standing in the convention center, and it was brutally cold outside. It was really, really windy. And I'm standing there and I'm looking out the front doors and he comes up and he's standing next to me and he's like, bro, you look pissed. And I was like, (laughs) I got to walk all the way back to my damn hotel. Like, look at this outside freezing. And he kind of, he like chuckled. He's like, man, F that. I'm walking in the tunnels. (laughs) He he like, he was smart enough to have a hotel that attached to the convention centers. He just went back through these, like these uh, breezeways and went back to you know, his, his hotel room and, and, and did his work. But it was just so fun because if you knew to really, like you had to kind of be there, but he just kind of chugged, yeah, F that, man. I'm not doing that. And he, <laughs> it's like, sucks to be you. Anyway, yeah. But I got so many times with Therese, you know, he'd come up, we'd be listening to somebody talk at a podium. You stand there next to each other, kind of give a head nod. He'd just give a little fist bump. You know, we'd be sitting there talking. And, hey, how's everything going? You good? Like, yeah, man, how you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm good, Mom. I'm good, I'm good. You know, and he just, but it was, I always had such respect for him too, because there are so many people in this business. And I don't even I'm not even saying this necessarily as an insult, it's just the truth, who will step on your throat to do anything to make themselves look good. Anything. Yep. It is yep. a brutally competitive business. Okay. That's the way it is. I have plenty of friends in this business who I totally understand. You know, if I if I tweet out some news, 
they're probably not going to like it or retweet it because it's competitive. And you know what? They, they want to have gotten that news. And, and I'll be, you know, sometimes vice versa. Like that's, that's the nature of it. Therese never, ever, ever once, to my knowledge, certainly me, not to anybody, else, never once went, did that where he would step on you or use you as leverage. And that stuff happens all the time. Like, believe me when I say it, that is all the time in his business. It happens constantly, especially when you're trying to break news. Somebody else is trying to break news. You know, obviously he and I, toward the end, I mean, he had a much larger platform as well. But like, you know, we were both covering the whole league at the time, but both of us had a special interest in the Chiefs. He being based there, he had so many great relationships in that organization. Me, from a far more outside position, obviously never being a beat writer for the team, but never once was there any kind of animosity if, if you know, I, I got a contract or if he got a contract. And, and Therese was on such a different level. I mean, look, I am a peasant compared to Therese Paler. But my point is, like, he could have been like, oh, you know, whatever. I, I, I you got Austin Reader's contract. Oh, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be happy for you because that, you know, that may have been something that he looked at as his turf. Never, never once. I always had so much respect and appreciation for that because that is rare in this business. It really is. Well, he will surely be missed by those who knew him. And if you've been on Twitter or interact with him on Twitter, and and you see the way that people, the outpouring of love and support going his way since the news broke from not just people in Kansas city, but people in the national NFL media that you may not even yep. knew that they knew Therese Paler. Like it's all there. You can see it on Twitter. And, and we just, we wish the best to his, his fiance Ebony and his entire family uh, and hope that they are able to find some peace sometime soon. Um, all right. With that, let's get into, uh, let's change gears a little bit and we'll get into uh, one of my favorite segments on this podcast, which is our listener reviews, because they're always so kind and generous and we appreciate you all so much. So we got a few new ones here. This one comes from stupid face nine, three, three, two, uh, a big thank That's you hilarious. is a great one. Uh, just discovered this pod, uh, just discovered the podcast this past off season. And I've listened to every one since then. I just wanted to say thank you to both of you for all your hard work to put in that you put in to bring us good content. Your post Super Bowl podcast made me feel a lot better about things, and I always love the positivity yet positive yet realistic outlook. Thank you. Yeah, that's you know what? Like when we sat down to record that that Super Bowl podcast, we were not we were just like you guys, and we were not in a good way. And um, you know, we knew it, we knew we had to come up here. And man, I had gone out. I'm standing up here in Wisconsin, and I had gone out on the deck and shoveled. There's like a foot of snow out there, and I had gone out and shoveled like a little square so that I could go out and smoke a cigar if the Chiefs won the the Super Bowl. I haven't had a cigar since like October. It's friggin' freezing. And I was like, it's going to be negative degrees out there, but if they win the Super Bowl, I'm smoking a cigar. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to tough it out. Um, and it was just such a – I came up here, and I'm like looking out the window at that little spot that I dug out, and like, i got to record this podcast. It's rough. And we talked about it. We were like, look, let's just – everybody's hurting. Let's try to let's try to put something out that's you know <laughs> going to help people a little bit. So it's really nice to hear you say that. Absolutely. Look, we appreciate it. That was not the easiest podcast to uh, to fire up by any stretch of the imagination for obvious reasons, but I'm glad we did. Uh, and, and I'm glad I'm glad people enjoyed it, even even after the uh, the absolute full-on ass-kicking the Chiefs took on Sunday night. Yeah, indeed. Next one comes from, uh, I think it's WYO Hunter, 
Uh, maybe it's Wyoming Hunter is what it means. Wyoming Hunter 95. Um, great podcast. I love listening to the show before and after the game. I'm anxious to hear you guys evaluate draft prospects to get us back into the Super Bowl. You heard it here first. Hashtag the comeback tour. Comeback tours, it's a contender. I like revenge tour, but I know that that's one of those things that like is it's like bulletin board material for other teams, right? Like if the Chiefs come out and say they're on a revenge tour, like you know, as soon as they somebody beats them, they're like, oh, it's your revenge tour. But I think secretly in the locker room, there's probably they probably won't come out with it publicly, but I bet that they're going to have conversations like that. Would you agree, Verderam? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Look, I don't know publicly. Maybe the Chiefs ought to just leave the monikers to the social media team and just and be done with it. Um, run it back was great until until Sunday. It looked really good. It looked like <laughs> we were moving in the right direction. But look, I think for the Chiefs, this year is just you know this upcoming year is just about coming out and and doing what they can do. If, if they, I was having this conversation with my dad when I was home over this this past weekend. Um, if if they are healthy and they just do a reasonable job of rebuilding this offensive line, they're going back to the Super Bowl. There's nobody beating them in the AFC. Who's beating them? I'm not, look, I get every year, you know, teams pop up and they surprise you. People didn't think the Bills would be this good, right? Like that happens. A couple of years ago, nobody thought Baltimore was going to be 14 and two. I understand all that. But when you look at the AFC, to beat Kansas City, if the Chiefs are healthy, you are going to have to be very, 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 very good. And Tampa Bay was a great team by the end of the year. They played great. The Chiefs were banged up. A combination of a lot of different things. The Chiefs get housed. But in the AFC, I think for the Chiefs, like the, the, their their whole thought should be we're getting back to the Super Bowl. And then we'll get revenge against whoever we play. Fine. But we have to get back to the Super Bowl. And I think, you know, when you really look at the conference, we'll see. You know, if Indianapolis gets a good quarterback, they're interesting. Um if the Dolphins get Watson, call me. If they don't, two is not beaten out the Chiefs in a playoff game. I, you know, the, the Bills are obviously very good. The Ravens, I guess it depends on your opinion of Lamar Jackson. I, for one, just stick in the playoffs. They're going to run to a brick wall with him every year. But um, you could argue that. Pittsburgh, to me, is done. They're old. Um, who's beating them? Like, I respect right. Cleveland, but Cleveland, that, that, that to me, is they're, they're far away. I get that game was close in divisionals. That's because Mahomes got hurt. That game was an absolute killing before that before Mahomes left early. You know, maybe the Chargers, like I know Chief fans are probably all rolling their eyes, but Herbert's really good. Like if Staley yeah. comes in and he's a really good coach, and I have my concerns about that. He's only been in the league for four years. But if he's a really good coach, like maybe, maybe, although it feels like even that would be a little early. Like it might take a few years, but it's just, you look at the AFC, and to me, other than Buffalo and maybe Indy, depending on who the quarterback is, like, I don't know. I'd feel pretty good. I think the Chiefs' whole focus is to just be on themselves, not worrying about anybody else. And I'd advise the fans to feel the same way. Really would. Support for the Arrowhead Attic Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. That's right, everybody. We finally got a sponsor for the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, and it's a company that sells razors and cream for your balls. You got to take what you can get, right? Now, I'm just kidding. Manscaped is actually awesome. I've subscribed to them for a couple of years. There's two things I have. One is the Lawnmower 3.0. That's their razor. It's got a ceramic blade and skin safe technology. I don't know what that means, but I know I don't cut myself when I'm grooming down there, which I really appreciate. And I also, every month, I get sent to me their Crop Preserver, which is just basically an anti shaving deodorant and moisturizer for your man parts. It's great. You smell great, and it keeps you dry down there throughout the course of the day. 
I love their products. I would have recommended them to you if they weren't sponsoring this show. So I'm definitely going to do it now. And I got a promo code for you. It's fansided20. You put that in at checkout, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Again, that's fansided20. Not only will you get a great product, you'll support the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, which we appreciate. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah, any team can get you anytime. This is the NFL, but yep. you got to like where the Chiefs are at, especially after they're about to go through this retooling. All right, and our last comment comes from Sola. Uh, the, the title is Solace by USAF Chiefs fan. Uh, while the Chiefs won't be back, uh, while the Chiefs won't become the ninth team in NFL history to win back-to-back Super Bowls, very disappointing. I find hope that this will reignite the fire they played with in the 2019-2020 season. At times this season, they played well, but not with that electric feeling of last season. I hope the Chiefs will return to the Super Bowl again soon. Always a pleasure listening to you guys, even at the low points. Matt, your cold, hard truths of how they played was refreshing. In closing, what team in the AFC will challenge the Chiefs besides the Bills? We'll see you in September, gentlemen. I mean, we just kind of went over that, right? I, like right. The, the, the Colts, look, there's some there's some talented teams, but there, there's just not a complete team out there. The Bills are probably the closest. If they can get better on defense, if they can get a running game, they start to become a little bit more interesting. But again, it's, it, you know, the same thing that's happening to the Chiefs, which is, hey, the rest of the NFL is trying to catch up to these guys. They're looking at the Chiefs. They're adjusting their teams. The rest, the, the, that's not just happening like they're just not everybody's not just looking at the Chiefs, right? You got teams in the AFC East. They're looking at the Bills. What can we do? We got to beat Buffalo. Buffalo's a team to beat. Bill Belichick. You think he's not thinking about how he can retool the New England Patriots to beat the Buffalo Bills? Like, so teams get tape on these other guys too, and they've got to combat that. And that's why you see sometimes a guy like Baker Mayfield come along and have a really good season, and then he has this big slump. It's because the NFL has adjusted to Baker. Can Baker adjust to the NFL? I think Kevin Stefanski did a nice job adjusting Baker to what the NFL adjusted to him. Um, So it's a constant game of cat and mouse. And that's why it's so hard to be great at quarterback for a long time in this league. So who knows about Josh Allen? He could go, he could, this could have been the high point for Josh Allen. That's not to take a shot at him, but we just don't know. No, listen, that's, uh, that's totally fair. And that's true. Um, You don't know. I mean, look, that's the one thing if you're a Chiefs fan, okay, you know, with absolute certainty. The stars on this team are flat-out stars. They're not one-year wonders. I mean, Kelsey's a first-bout Hall of Famer. Mahomes is clearly going to be uh, an all-time great. And, and in a lot of people's minds already, it's Tyreek Hill. Same. I mean, the, you know you know, Andy Reid is beyond her. The Chiefs have this established base of guys who they are what they are. Like, they're great players. You don't have to wonder, like, well, was it one year? You're right. Like, Patrick, I totally agree with you. The Bills have to prove they can do it again. You see teams do this for a year, and then it, it just it you know whatever things happen, things change, teams game plan for you a different way. Um, that that is true, and the Bills, like a lot of teams, like the Chiefs, have cap issues this offseason. They're probably going to lose Matt Milano, their star linebacker. They might lose right tackle Daryl Williams. They're going to have to do some different things. They might have to cut John Brown, their 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 receiver on the outside. So they're they're going to have their own challenges. But you know, listen, to just reiterate, other than the Bills. I don't know. You know, it maybe Tennessee if they can fix their defense. I mean, de- you know, def- defenses tend to be somewhat volatile year to year. If they could draft a few guys, I mean, maybe like the Titans, the Browns, the same thing. Like they really could shore up their defense. Like maybe they're interesting. But I'm going to say this: like 
it wasn't lost on me right after the Super Bowl. The Buccaneers win the game. The Chiefs are overwhelming favorites in Vegas to win the Super Bowl. Overwhelming. Like usually one team's like five to one, another six to one. Kansas City is plus five fifty, which is essentially eleven to two or five and a half to one. The next team is eleven to one. They are just massive favorites. And I think a big part of that is I do think the AFC overall is a better conference. I think it's deeper. But the NFC to me is more top heavy. Like the Buccaneers are obviously a great team, but the Packers are really good. Seattle's really good. The Rams now with Stafford are really interesting, right? Like you keep going down, you know, if the Bears get a quarterback, they're at least more interesting. Um, there are a lot of teams that you look at and say, okay, that team could go to the Super Bowl. Or that team could go. The Niners, if they're healthy, especially if they upgrade Garoppolo, right? Like they're interesting. The AFC, it is clearly Kansas City. And then it's like, okay, well, who could maybe challenge them? Whereas the, the theory or the, the thought is to always look at the team that won the Super Bowl and go, that team's going to come right back. I don't know that. Like the Buccaneers are good. The Buccaneers are also old. Sue is old. Pierre Paul's old. I get Brady still good. I will say this though, by the way, Brady winning the Super Bowl MVP has to be the biggest joke on the face of the earth. He was maybe the 10th best player on that team in that game. He threw for yeah. 200 yards. Like, I don't know how Brady at 44 years old. At some point, the, at some point, the, the diminishing returns are coming. So, like to me, I don't know other than the Bills who the best team in the AFC is. You know, I, I don't I don't know. I, I guess I would have to say Baltimore just because I believe in their coach. They they know their system. They have a lot of star players. But I'm just going to say what I think a lot of people think. I just don't think Lamar Jackson's good enough. I don't. I don't think they're going to threaten Kansas City in a playoff game because he can't throw the ball well enough. But that's just me. Probably want to keep an eye on the Raiders too. A lot of good pieces. Obviously, th- th- some some problems with the quarterback position. You know, if a different they had a different quarterback. I think we'd all feel a lot differently about what Las Vegas has been building. So we'll have to keep an eye on with off seasons just getting started here. Like just some little moves are being made that new league year hasn't started yet. So um, take a deep breath. Things are going to look a lot different in two months from now than than they than they do right now. All right, let's take our first break. On the other side, we've got some news to get to, and we're going to take a look at the off-season calendar and some of the Chiefs' free agents. This is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. All right, and we are back. Okay, so a few news things, important news things to hit. The first thing, they cut our quarterback open yesterday on Wednesday. We're recording this on uh, on Thursday, February 11th. He's okay. He is, as you all know, Mahomes had a basically turf toe, yep. had like a torn ligament in the toe, I believe, uh, that they had to repair. He had that surgery done yesterday in Green Bay by Dr. Robert Anderson. Reports of that that went well, and the doctor said no issues at all. So now it's just about healing up for Mahomes. Look, Mahomes is moving around all right. Like the Chiefs didn't lose the Super Bowl because Mahomes had this toe injury, but. Uh, <laughs> It just makes me respect the hell out of him even more to know that that thing was completely torn and that he had to have surgery almost immediately because turf toe, it sounds, it's one of those things that most people don't really know what it is. And it just sounds, oh, like your toe hurts, whatever. Like you're, you know, professional football player, go out there and tough it out. It's extremely painful and it lingers. And when you have a tear like Mahomes did, you have to have surgery. It's no joke. No, 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 no. Listen, you talk to players around the league and, and that is a very painful injury. Um, for him to do that is is really something. And look, uh, you know Matt Lombardo, who writes a national column for us every week. One of the segments in the column 
he wrote, you know, Mahomes magical even in defeat. And he talked to some people around the league and um, a couple of the quotes just did, you know, a player, you know, an unnamed player. So he's absolutely unreal. Just an amazing talent and drive. Uh, another a coach in the league said, you know, quote, he earned so much equity with his teammates for that performance, just tons. Um, you know, it's another uh, a current uh, NFC player said, you know, I'm sure it was no surprise to his teammates seeing what he does out there. They already have the maximum am- amount of respect for him. But if you don't know him now, the one thing you certainly know is that that guy is willing to do anything to win. Um Look, I, I said this in the immediate aftermath, and I, I feel this way, and I, f- I certainly feel it even stronger, uh, more strongly after those quotes. Stats and accolades will always get you respect and attention in the NFL. That's the way this thing works. Playing that hard in that much pain when they were just for like, comically losing the game, that is something that will always stick with the guys on that team. They will play harder. They will play through more pain. They will do whatever it takes for him because of what they saw. Um, the good news is with Mahomes, look, he has the offseason surgery. He should be good to go for the season. Ian Rapport said he doesn't know if he'll be able to start at the beginning of training camp. I'm going to dive into that a little bit more. I'm curious what the timeline is. Um, you know, Rapport said it was many months. I'm, I'm sure it is, but I, I'd like to try to drill down a little bit more. Um there's going to be a little bit of a different offseason. He's not going to be able to train the way he normally would. I mean, you, you can't be on your foot. So it is going to change the way he trains. I, I am a little concerned about that. Sometimes this stuff can lead to pulls and, and strains and whatnot. Um, but overall, listen, I think, I think, you know, it's a good thing he gets it done now. He should be ready plenty of time for the regular season. And then now they go to work. They've got to build around him. They've got to, they've got to, you know, Take take care of the guy so he doesn't get uh, beaten to oblivion. Uh, you know if they get back to Super Bowl next year. That's right, and you don't want him going out there too early and compensating. You just got to ease him. They'll ease him back in. They're going to treat him. He ain't going to forget how to play quarterback. Don't worry. The offense is installed. There may be some new players, but um, you know by the time they get to training camp and those types of things, like maybe he's not going to be running around a whole lot, but he he'll be able to stand there and throw the football work on timing with guys, things like that. So it shouldn't be too too worrisome of a, of a injury. Okay, let's – Mahomes is going to be fine. One thing, while we're talking about Mahomes, there's a little bit of dust up on Twitter about some comments he made after the game where some media members were claiming that Mahomes threw his teammates under the bus, and they are making a very big deal about it because Mahomes said – he was asked about the game and he said we weren't on the same page. He took a lot he he took a lot of um of the blame himself, but he said we weren't on the same page. There were times when receivers weren't where I thought they would be and the offensive line I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so these are not his exact words, but the offensive line uh you know, were good at times and there were times where they let people through. And there was just a, sort of a dust up about you know, how quarterbacks never throw their teammates under the bus. Do you, do you think that's Mahomes throwing teammates under the bus? Do you think he shouldn't have said those things? No, I, I mean, I heard everything he said. I, he took a ton of blame, which good, good on him. He didn't have to, but you're supposed to in that position. Look, he didn't say anything that was controversial in my opinion. And he didn't say anything that nobody could just not see. I mean, everybody could see they couldn't block anybody. They dropped a few passes. And I, I thought it was fine. Um, I saw the tweet. 
I, I have a good relationship with the person tweeted out. Um, but I thought it was, I thought it was misguided. Like he, he, he did not throw anyone under the bus. If you watch the press conference, he took a ton of, you know, I could have played better. I could have done this. I could have done that. You know, yeah, sure. You know, we had some breakdowns. We dropped a few passes. But at the end of the day, it's a team effort. I mean, that's fine. He, it would have been one thing if he came out there and was like, listen, you know, I played great. If everybody else didn't suck, we would have won. I mean, that would have been a different story. He didn't do that. Right. Um, I think it's a non-story. I think it's one of these things, like you get into the offseason and now there's, there's, you know, there's so much conjecture and there's, there's time to fill and things happen. And, um, you know, that's kind of the way it is. But no, I, I, I don't think anybody's going to take any issue with that in Kansas City for sure. Yeah, and he didn't. He didn't call anybody out by name, and you know, I think on the receiver comment, he said we weren't on the same page, right? And they weren't where I thought they would be. That doesn't necessarily mean it was the receiver's fault, right? When you say something like that, you're saying we weren't on the same page, you yeah. know. Um, and and the and the offensive line did let some people through, and and they know that. But believe me, there's nobody more pissed off about that game than than those five guys on the offensive line. They're they're professionals. This is their job. A lot of them won't be back. Maybe none of them will be back. Um, but they're they're pissed off about it. Nobody's more pissed off about it than they are. And that is just it is what it is. Um, all right, let's talk about Britt Reed. We haven't talked a ton about this on the podcast. Um, obviously, was driving and drinking. We don't know to what degree he was drinking. Charges haven't been right. filed in that case yet. I, I don't believe. Um, but there, uh, there was, it was an accident on an entrance ramp to the highway. One car was ran out of gas and, a, and some family members came to help and, and Britt crashed into both of those cars. And, um, so it was, you know, is the end of the season and he, the chiefs put him on administrative leave and his contract expired. So they didn't necessarily fire him, but they did not rehire him. Uh, so it was just a few days of being on administrative leave, and they just the contract lapsed. He's not an employee anymore. You, you first, obviously, you feel absolutely terrible for the family. There is a, I believe it's a GoFundMe. If you haven't seen that, you won't have to look yep. very hard to find it on Twitter. If you want to donate to this poor little girl who last I saw was still in very bad shape. Um, I don't want to get too specific because I don't know exactly, but um, the, I think over $400,000 has been raised. I know I know a lot of that is Chiefs fans. That's good on Chiefs Kingdom, always looking out to help other people. Um, and our thoughts and prayers are with her and her family, and we hope she pulls through and is able to uh, live a, a normal life after this. Um, not much to say about Reed, but He's somebody who's had DUIs in the past, and I've seen a lot of things on Twitter. A lot of people they're pointing the finger at Andy in this situation, saying Britt Reed should not have been a coach on the team to begin with. Look, it's not Andy Reed's fault that his thirty-some-year-old son, mid-thirty son, made a, mis- a, a horrible mistake and, and could cost somebody very dearly. But should Britt Reed have been a coach? How, what's your take on that whole angle of this, Verderam? I think Britt Reed has a lot ahead of him that we don't understand fully yet because the charges haven't been brought. Um, we understand from many, many, many reports that he told police that he had two to three drinks 
that he took prescription Adderall. Um, well, obviously we understand that he did crash into these vehicles and that there's a five-year-old girl that is in critical condition um, and hopefully wakes up at some point, uh, has not woken up yet. Everyone else involved in the crash seems to be, you know, relatively speaking, okay. The Chiefs, as you mentioned, put him on administrative leave. He will no longer be part of the organization, nor should he be part of the organization. Um, you could sit there and talk about whether or not he should have ever been part of the organization. I look, I don't have a problem with him have been, you know, part of the staff, but now I think it's, it's impossible. I don't care what comes out of this. He cannot ever coach for them again, period. End of story. He cannot be part of the organization. He cannot, um, he, he cannot have any influence whatsoever inside Arrowhead. And, the bigger question, and we don't know the answer to this yet, that I have, is was he drinking inside the team facilities? Because right. where that accident happened was very close to Arrowhead Stadium. It was on an on-ramp. My understanding is you're not allowed to have alcohol in team facilities. So what's going on there? Now, I, I'm not saying he was or wasn't. We don't know. But if if it comes out that he was, and there will be an investigation into that, that's a whole nother thing. Then the Chiefs have to completely revamp their their uh, you know protocols and whatnot, or at least reinforce them. This is a tragedy. Regardless of how this turns out, I hope the Chiefs throw their full support behind this family, not just now, but going forward. They had an employee who caused a lot of damage. Whether or not he was intoxicated, we don't know yet. But he did something clearly he should not have done. And, you know, I've seen a lot of speculation. I'm not getting into all any of that stuff. All I know is the Chiefs, and, and I get it. You know, I point, you know, I, I said that the Chiefs should come out and, and help this family out right now. And some people said, well, they, you know, legally that might be an issue for them because it would be an admission of guilt, and I get all that. And okay, I'm willing to give the Chiefs, look, you wait to see how legally you got to listen to the legal advice, fine. They need to support this family one way or the other, however they've got to do it. Agreed. Okay, because frankly, it shouldn't have to be Chiefs Kingdom supporting them on a GoFundMe page. Okay, because the Chiefs have a lot bigger of a wallet than anybody else on that GoFundMe page does. And so no matter whether it's now, it's a month, it's they should be helping out this family, supporting this family. And then, by the way, if it does come out that intoxication had a big role to play, the Chiefs should be out in front community-wise, okay, working with law enforcement, working with groups around the city to try and mitigate further you know, DUI, DWI uh, instances going forward in the community. It, they need to get more involved because something like this cannot happen. It should never happen. It does happen. People make mistakes. Horrible consequences are paid for them. Okay. I'm not sitting here telling you I'm perfect or anybody else is perfect. But when you make a mistake of that nature and it has these ramifications, you have to then as an organization, step up and do the best you possibly can to make a horrible wrong at least somewhat right. And that's where the Chiefs find themselves. Yeah, and the and the 
the, as far as supporting the family, you, there are probably tricky things there where you don't, because it was an employee, they don't want to look like they're trying to bribe, right? Like you're giving money to somebody that Correct. you may be implicated with. So the chiefs are probably, for now at least, aren't able to maybe do some of the things that they would like to do. But it, at, at some point, they probably will be able to do that and should, to your point. And I'll also add, I've seen a lot of Chiefs fans out there and, and saying things like, it's not, you know, the employer can't be responsible for everything their employee does on their own time. Like, it's not the Chiefs' fault. Look, on a base level, I agree with you on that. But to Matt's point, the Kansas City Chiefs aren't just any employer, right? Like They're, they're, they're the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. This happened to people in Kansas City. They have a, a, a responsibility as a very wealthy family and organization that, to be leaders and to do the right thing whenever they can and to demonstrate the right way to do things and to run their organ. They talk about you know wanting to be a first-class organization. That means when you're winning, when you're losing, and when people who work for you make mistakes, be be leaders, demonstrate leadership, do the right thing. I, I hope that they do in this situation. Um, and so it's not unfair to ask them to help the family, to take some responsibility. This was an employee of theirs. And I know we here at Fansided, if one of our own makes a mistake, like, you know, we feel it. They, we're all representing the company every time we go out, anytime we do anything. And so hopefully the Chiefs will do the right thing in this case. Well- and I'll just, and I agree with everything you said. I'll briefly just say this too, because you made a great point. They are the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what else they are? They're a public team, a public company, and they rely on people largely in that area supporting them. If nobody goes to the games, nobody watches, they don't exist. They are completely reliant on that area of the country in a lot of ways to support them. If Kansas City Chiefs fans in Kansas City didn't go to the games, they'd move the team. They would move the team, okay? They get an enormous amount of support in Kansas City, and and that's fine. They deserve it. They've put a great product on the field, okay? They have always been a team that's been very active in the community. That's been something good dating back to Lamar Hunt. They've been very into with the United Way and other things. They've had a lot of Walter Payton Man of the Year awards. but this is a situation where they need to get involved. I get it. And I hear those same complaints, Patrick, you mentioned. But, well, you know, they don't have to do this. And no, no, no. That's BS. They are a public NFL franchise. They're not Johnny who's selling Dixie cups to, to, to the high V. Okay? Like, right. they are a huge, multi-billion dollar corporate. You know how much that team's worth? You know how much the hunts are worth? They're not going to be going out of business by doing some community outreach and helping out. And they know this. So look, that's the price you pay when you're constantly asking for money and raising ticket prices and raising parking prices. And you're asking people to buy jerseys and to buy all these other things to go with the team. And that's fine. That's fine. You're a fan of the team. You want to buy those things? You want to spend that money? Heck, we've all been like, that's fine. But then the flip side of that is okay. Well, guess what? When you have somebody who screws up to this level, you got to go out and make it right. At least, again, as much as you can possibly make it right. Right. That's on the Chiefs now. They cannot. They absolutely cannot walk away from this and just think that 
putting Brett Reed, Brett Reed on administrative leave is enough. That's the bare minimum. Now you go forward and you have to do more in the community to make an, a positive impact here and try to mitigate future tragedies of this nature down the road. The Kansas City Chiefs have a lot of influence in the community and they can do a lot of good if they, uh, if they want to. So let's hope they do that. All right, yeah. let's move on to... <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers had their boat parade yesterday and they all got liquored up like just like the Chiefs did when they had their parade had a lot of fun yeah. you know um but you know I think it's a little bit different drinking in in Kansas City in February than drinking in the sun in Tampa in February um so listen I'm going to start by just saying this the Bucks won they kicked the Chiefs ass it's just the way it is they can talk a little trash. And don't think, don't think that all the trash talking that the Chiefs did when they came in and they were whooping the Bucks in the first quarter of that game when Tyreek Hill was doing backflips in the end zone yep. and picking up the phone and saying help is on the way. Do not think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't see all that crap, weren't pissed off about it, and that it wasn't on their bulletin board and heading into the Super Bowl. So they've got it was very clear from from the from the postgame antics or the, the the parade antics that the Bucks have no love for the Chiefs. And, and and a lot of it probably is because of of the way that the Chiefs acted when they were whooping them. So if you enjoyed watching Tyreek Hill back flipping in the end zone and all that stuff, you gotta be able to take a little of this a little of this back from Tampa Bay. That's just the way it goes. However, um, you know, Gronk had a actually kind of hilarious, uh, sad, but hilarious uh, shot at the Chiefs saying that maybe the Chiefs should uh, hire the streaker that ran onto the field because he at least got into the end zone, <laughs> um, which is funny, but also like, it, you know, it's one of those ones where you laugh and then you cry because uh, it's true. Um <clears throat> Bruce Arians, though, is the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then that with that comes a little bit of a different you gotta carry yourself a different way. You know, LeBron wants to wear an ultimate warrior shirt after he beats the Warriors to troll the Warriors, like, fine, right? Like these are the players, they're gonna rib each other. There's trash talk on the field. Tyron Matthew does it. Frank Clark's probably trash talking whoever he's talking to right now just to make sure he stays sharp. Um, so that happens. But Arians gets up there. Definitely had a few. He's got a beer in his hand, and he says yesterday, um, we have the best coaching staff in the NFL, and we've damn sure got the best players in the NFL. i got no issue with that. I don't agree, but I've got no issue with that. What's he supposed to say? But then he says, and, and look, some of this isn't going to make sense because he was drunk, I think. Um, <laughs> anybody that says run it back, bullshit. That was Kansas City's bullshit. We're going for two. We're going for two, and we ain't stopping. We're going to keep this band together, and they know how to win. You beat every damn thing we lined up against you. I don't know what that means. You did it the right way. We did it the right way. We physically kicked their ass. The, the, the Kansas City's the whole run it back thing, we talked about slogans earlier in the show. Run it back wasn't, in my view, like a an arrogant slogan, right? Like... I actually think revenge tour, which I'm advocating for, is more arrogant because it's like, we're up for revenge. We're going to beat everybody. Run it back is like, hey, we won. We're going to try to run it back. Like, that's why, of course, you're going to try to run it back. 
<laughs> but what do you make of Arian's comments? And what do you make of like, he's like, don't say run it back. We're going for two, which I think is super lame. But do you think he like sort of as the head coach, like saying Kansas City's bullshit and we kicked their ass? Like, is it, I'm, what's your take I'm going to be really unpopular. I think he's right. <laughs> he was right. Look, I actually took it with the run it backs. I took it as him saying that was Kansas City's thing. We're not going to say run it back. We're going to go with our own thing. And I agree. Okay. They're going for two. They might need to workshop that with the social team. But like, I, I, I agree. That might not be the way to go. But I, I took that portion of it as Kansas City. That was their stuff. We're not, we're not saying run it back. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to make that into our thing. We have our own thing, so on and so forth. Was it arrogant on the Chiefs' end? I don't know. Yeah, a little bit. I keep saying the term earned arrogance with the Chiefs. And I think their earned arrogance got him in some trouble in that Super Bowl because I think the Chiefs just went to the game basically thinking we can do whatever the hell we want. And guess what? You couldn't. Yeah. And they never adjusted. As far as him saying physically they kicked Kansas City's ass, uh, they did. They did. They utterly kicked the Chiefs' ass up and down the field. Listen, I get it. You're a fan of the team. You never want to look at your team with it. The Chiefs got absolutely plowed from start to finish for four quarters. There is no other way to say that. They got destroyed in that game. They ran them over. They beat them up. The Chiefs got handled. I didn't have any issue with anything Arian said or Gronk's thing. Listen, when you win the Super Bowl, you say what you want. Frank Clark talked more crap last year throughout their playoff run than any human being I can ever remember. And I was there for some of it, right in front of me. Talked about Garoppolo and how he stinks. Talked about Derrick Henry. We shut his ass down. Talked about Carlos Hyde and had a bunch of things to say about him after the Houston game. Listen, when you win, you can do those things. And I get it. You know what? Though, look, take it as a compliment, Kansas City. Nobody cares. You know, you didn't hear the you didn't hear the Bucks talking a lot of crap when they beat Washington in the playoffs. Nobody cares. Right. It was they beat a team that, frankly, let's be honest, let's be real about this. Most people thought the Chiefs were going to kick Tampa's ass in this game, me included. Okay, I thought the Chiefs were going to beat them by a couple scores. Most people did. Tampa Bay came in there and physically just beat the doors off the Chiefs in that game. They did. And I think if you're a, a Chiefs player, a Chiefs fan, you have to acknowledge it and give it credit. Nobody gets better by lying to themselves about anything. Yeah. Now the Chiefs, the plan has to be to get better up front. They lost that game because they got beat up front. That's it. They did. I mean, Brady didn't go nuts throwing the ball in the game. The Bucs ran it well in the second half. They, they were all over Mahomes the entire game. That was it. So I, I don't have a problem with it. I get it. I, I also will say this, and this dates back to when he was a, a coach at Arizona. I always liked Arians. I, I find him refreshing. You know, after all these years of Belichick being so rote, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Arians is just f that we won. Give me a course light, right? Okay. Could cool. but can you see Andy Reid getting drunk and saying something like that? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. But I I enjoy it. Like I yeah. I enjoy that he's just a human being. Like look, you know. But I bet Andy Reid thought it. How much you want to bet Andy Reid after they beat the Titans? Like he probably in his in his office. Like yeah, f Derrick Henry. Right. You know? like, <laughs> sure. sure he did. Sure. These guys. This is. This is the alpha, alpha, alpha business. That's what this is. I mean, these guys are keyed up to the hilt. There's, there's nobody in those locker rooms, okay, who doesn't think he's the baddest MF on the planet. That is just the way it is. If you don't think that, you're not in the NFL for very long. 
They all think that. They all work out to the hill. They're all the strongest guy they know. They're all the best player they were in high school, and a lot of them on their college teams. Like these guys, like Andy comes off as this jovial. Oh, I'm just so happy to be here. Andy Reid, deep down, is like, I'm smarter than you. I'm going to kick your ass. Look at this triple reverse shovel pass I designed. <laughs> right. Like, they all think it. Yeah. I, Arians was just a little bit liquored up and said it, but I, I don't I don't have any problem with that. Hey, you know what? That's what makes some of this stuff fun. We're sitting here talking about it. It's a lot better than Belichick going up there and going, yeah, you know, we won another Super Bowl. Uh, going to come back next year. Uh, not going to have a slogan. Uh, going <laughs> to. You know, if anybody steps out of line, they're going to be cut immediately, and uh, I'll be back in Foxborough here next year. No, that sucks. I'd rather have yeah. Arians being like, listen, I don't care. <laughs> we kick their ass. See you next year. Okay, cool. Hopefully yeah. we see him next year. It'd be great. Yeah, love it. Love it. All right, we're going to take our last break. Um, but remember, this the episode of this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. You heard the promo we played earlier in this episode. Use that code. Fansided20. You're going to get 20% off uh, on your order and uh, free shipping. And like, let me tell you, man, Valentine's Day, right around the corner. Do the loved one in your life a favor and take care of business down there. Okay. That's true. true. (laughs) All right. That's right. All right. We'll be right back. All right. So. We've hit most of the news. Let's get into the off-season dates that you can look forward to and that we'll be basing some of our shows around as we move forward here. So these are the tentative off-season key dates for the NFL. Obviously, with COVID and all of those things going on, everything in your life, not just NFL dates, is subject to change. Um, but here's what we're looking at. So again, today is February 11th. February 23rd through the 9th. That is the franchise transition player designation period. So that's when guys are going to start getting tags, things like that. You're going to start hearing those types of discussions. March 17th, the new league year begins. That means free agency, all that fun stuff. The tampering period happens like like the week before that, right, Verderam? Tampering period starts 48 hours before free agency opens. So <clears throat> March 15th, I believe. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, but make no mistake, that's happening right now. I was going to say, guys, I got to tell you, actually, I'll, I'll interject this real quick. Uh, since the AFC and NFC title games, I've already been doing my offseason digging and talking to people around the league. Usually free agency starts full swing in Indianapolis at the combine. Um, this year, there's not going to be a, a combine because of COVID. So I've been talking to some people in the league um, and was told, yeah, uh, my phone's gotten more activity already than it ever has at this time of the year. I'm getting a ton of calls from teams. So I can tell you, these agents, they're already getting a lot of phone calls from teams trying to find out, okay, where does your guy sit? Where does he, what does he want? How much? How many years? How much wiggle room is there? How much interest is there? When these teams can't get together like they normally do and kind of feel each other out, there becomes right. this paranoia. And that paranoia leads to a lot of phone calls being made early because they don't want to get beat. So, yeah, free agency is well underway. Uh, as we speak, I would be willing to bet there are going to be a lot of deals that happen the second free agency opens. Right. And 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 Matt can tell you because he's gone down to Indianapolis to cover the combine multiple times. It's it's just as much about 
seeing those guys in action is it is everybody getting together. They go out for steak. They go out, have drinks after that's a long day. There's lots of time to schmooze. And as Matt said, lots of time for, for these people to feel each other out, have these sort of get conversations started, but also like try to build trust. And so it's going to be interesting in how this plays out as, as, as you mentioned, people are probably being a lot more direct you know, a lot more cloying, like, because they don't have, like, hey, you and I talked about this for 35 minutes down at the combine. Like, I've got a good idea of where your client's at and what I need to do. And right. so there's a lot more back and forth, a lot of Zooms, video calls, texts going like crazy. It's going to be a really fascinating off season. April 5th is the start of the off season workouts for teams with new head coaches. Uh, so that won't impact the Chiefs. April 19th is the start of off season workouts for teams with incumbent coaches. Patrick Mahomes will not be there. He might be there, but he won't be doing anything um, because he'll be recovering from this toe surgery. April 23rd is the last day of restricted free agent signings, the restricted free agent signing period. April 28th is the last day for offer sheets for restricted free agents. So if you're a restricted free agent, a team can make you an offer and the team that currently owns your rights has the chance to match that offer. And if they decide not to, you can go. And there could there could be some compensation, right? If the if the player does get signed away as a restricted free agent, is that the case, or is that just with franchise players? I have to double check. I think I think there's some kind of compensation, but I would have to check. I don't know that off the top of my head. Very there's like rare. the tenders, like you can put like a second round tender on a guy. There's like all that stuff. Correct. Yes. If you yes, if you tender a guy, yes, then that a team that would sign him would have to give up that level of pick. Yes. Um, you can non-tender guys, but if you tender them, uh, yeah, whatever that is, if, if that pick, and then that team would have to go with that pick. Yeah. Um, and April 29th through May 1st, the 2021 NFL draft will take place in Cleveland. Tough break for Cleveland. Probably not going to be fans at that. Just don't think we'll be far enough long in the vaccination stuff. Uh, but who knows? Let's hope so. Okay. So, as we head into the offseason, the Chiefs actually have a number of free agents or restricted free agents. I'm going to run down this list here for everybody really quickly, and we can talk about a few people. Um, free agents, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Alex Okafor, Austin Ryder, Bashad Breeland, Daniel Sorensen, Anthony Sherman, Mike Pinnell, Mike Remmers, Tano Passanio, Stefan Wojcicki, Damian Williams, Taco Charlton, remember him? Uh, Le'Veon Bell, he was actually playing okay. Daniel Kilgore, DeAndre Baker, who suffered that really terrible injury at the end of the season, uh, Kalechi Osemele, Antonio Hamilton, Ricky Seals-Jones, don't think he'll be back, don't need to spend much time there. <laughs> Tight end Nick Kaiser, he's an exclusive rights free agent. Daryl Williams is a restricted free agent. Ben Neiman's a restricted free agent. Traverius Ward is a restricted free agent. Dion Yelder, tight end, restricted free agent. And Andrew Wiley, offensive lineman, is a restricted free agent. So what jumps out at you from that list as sort of like high-priority players to re-sign? So one one thing real quick, Damian Williams is not a free agent. He's one year left in his contract because he opted out with COVID. Ah, my so bad on that. Just, no, no, no. I just, it, it's confusing yeah. because he would have been, but he's right. not now. Same with Duvernay Tardif. Both of those guys were slated for free agency this year, but because he opted out, the contract tolls, they wait another year. Um, everybody else, you're right. Look, everybody else, yes, free agent. Um, so 
first of all, all those guys are restricted. They're going to be back. There's no reason that they wouldn't be back. Guys like Ward and Wiley, unless the Chiefs just trade them or something, they're, they're going to be back. You mentioned most of the big names up top. Um, Breland is a guy that he's a good player, but the Chiefs love LeJarrius Sneed on the outside for obvious reasons. And I think they, they look at it and say, okay, could we have Sneed and, and Ward outside, Fenton on the inside? That's possible. Uh, maybe draft another corner. Um, or even bringing a guy cheap and free agent. I'm not saying Breland's definitely gone because I don't know that that's the case. I'm just saying that you know that he, they may feel like they have internal options there. DeAndre Baker, if he can come back healthy, I know they. I firmly know for a fact that they believe, uh, or at least believe before he got hurt, that he was a guy who was going to come in and compete for a starting job in training camp. So that's another thing to factor in. Uh, where is he in his recovery? My feeling, and it's just a feeling, it's not a report. So I think no inside knowledge on this one. I haven't dug in yet on this, but I, I would think Dan Sorensen would be back. I don't know if you're the chief. Like, it's not going to cost you a lot of money. He does so much for them in so many different roles. Like, why would you let him go? Right. He's not going to get a fortune somewhere else. So I would think he'd be back. If they want Anthony Sherman back, I would expect that he'd, he'd be back. He's kind of been going year to year at this point. Um, he would be more of a Dave Tobe guy, right? Like, you want him back for special teams. And he's beloved in the locker room. Guys love Anthony Sherman. So, you know, I, he's another one. If they want him back, he'll be back. Um, I really kind of look at, you know, Watkins and Robinson. Robinson's another guy. Like, I I think if they want him back, they could get him back. Watkins, I think, is gone. Watkins, I, I just, you're not going to pay him anywhere near what you've been paying him. And I think if you're the Chiefs, it's like, we need a guy who can play 16 games. Nothing against Sammy Watkins. He's very good when he's healthy, but like you never know when he's going to play. This is half the year of a year. So I will say this. The draft's very deep at receiver. There's a lot of free agents. I'll I'll just put it out there like this with the Chiefs, and, I, and I'll update everybody as much as I possibly can, and I get inside information on the Chiefs. I just have not really dug in on them yet. Um, most of this week has been inundated with a report I had about Patrick Peterson. So I've spent most of my week on that. Um, look, I think with the Chiefs, nobody's getting the tag. Okay. There's nobody worth being franchise tagged. So that's a safe assumption. Nobody's getting the franchise tag. Don't even waste your time. It's not happening. All the restricted free agents, I would expect them to be back, early rights free agents, all that stuff. I mean, unless the Chiefs just flat out have no use for those players, they, they will be back. They're not going anywhere. So I think Kansas City, the big thing to watch is, does Mitchell Schwartz retire or not? My understanding is that is a very open question. Nobody really seems to know. Eric Fisher's coming off the Achilles. If they cut him, they save $12 bucks. This is the final year of his contract. Will they cut Eric Fisher? Will they extend him and do something where they lower this year's cap hit and then next year's kind of a, a team option? Maybe. I do not see him playing this year on his current cap number. There is no way. He's probably going to miss half of the season, if not more, with the Achilles. So I think that is an open-ended question. If they move on from Fisher and if Schwartz retires or they were to release him, whatever the case may be, that's $18 million. Now, they're, on, they're over the cap right now by about $23 million. Okay? If they were to release those two players and extend Tyron Matthew, that would save him another twelve to $14 million, depending on the contract. I think the Chiefs have one sizable move in them in free agency. And my gut feeling is it's either going to be on an offensive lineman or a receiver. I could see the Chiefs going out and trying to sign like 
Juju Schmidt-Schuster. I could see the Chiefs doing something like that. I don't think they're getting Godwin or Allen Robinson. Those guys are just going to get paid too much money. I could see that second tier, you know, T.Y. Hilton, if they want to try to get somebody and hope he's healthy. Um, A.J. Green, although I think A.J. Green is a little bit washed at this point. But I could see them going after a guy like a Juju Schmidt-Schuster. Somebody that they look at him, they go, he's 24 years old, we'll pay him $10 million, $12 million a year. I'm not saying that I've heard that or anything. I just, that's my, I think the Chiefs are going to get themselves in position to sign one guy because it's a weird year this year. The cap's going down, which it never does. But now they're close to signing all these TV contracts. The cap is going to explode in 2022. It might go up 40 or $50 million. So you could theoretically sign a guy on a multi-year deal and say, look, this year we're going to pay you very little, but next year we'll make up the difference and we'll pay you a fortune next year. The Chiefs could do that. That is possible, especially with the way they structured some of their contracts. So I think the Chiefs will try to go after – and if you look at Brett Veach's history, he is a big fish guy. They signed big-name guys, Tyron Matthew, Anthony Hitchens, Sammy Watkins. They tried to sign Earl Thomas. He traded for Frank Clark. I mean, Brett Veach believes in you go get the big-time guy and then fill the rest of the roster out. That's kind of how I see their offseason. Do you see them doing anything with or exploring doing anything with Frank Clark? He's got two years left on his contract, but his 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 cap situation Great. as far as dead cap, is it three? Three. Yeah. Yeah, my bad on that. So they can't do anything with him this year because he's got a dead cap head of thirty seven thirty seven million dollars if they were to move him. After this year it change it goes it drops to twelve and then to six. But he's got a high base salary for the next three years, $25 million this year, 26 next year, 27 the year after that. So probably not going to be able to do anything with Frank Clark because of that dead cap number. Do you see – I was curious about a guy we mentioned, Taco Charlton, still young, was playing all right. He had to have surgery on his fractured ankle. Do you see them maybe doing something with him and bringing him back? Maybe. It would not be an expensive cost. Um, so it's totally possible. They might do that. Um, I wouldn't be shocked by that. I think with Kansas City and like a lot of teams, frankly, in the league, you really have to look at this offseason this way. I've talked to a lot of people around the league, and this is the almost universal feeling I've got. Stars are going to get paid because they're stars. It's the mid-tier guys who are going to get squeezed on the market because the stars are going to get paid Teams are going to keep their cheap guys, and then how much money is left? You're going to see a ton of one-year deals. You're going to see a ton of deals where guys are going for rates. You're going, wow, really? But they're, they're fine with it because they know next year the cap's going to explode. So if you're the Chiefs, that's your window to find guys. Who are those guys who get squeezed a little bit? Maybe some of them are guys like Rashad Breeland. Maybe, maybe some of those guys are like Demarcus Robinson. Where you say, oh, you know what? I thought he would have gotten more than that. Yeah, well, he couldn't this year. Got squeezed. So I think if you're the Chiefs, those are the kind of guys you're looking for. Those are the kind of guys. You know, I'll give you another receiver I, I find interesting. Corey Davis of the Titans. Yeah. Former first-round pick. And that, by the way, that is a Veach move from heaven. That guy is a former top-five pick who probably isn't going back to his old team. 
He had his best year this year. That is, Veach loves guys with pedigrees. DeAndre Baker, Cam Irving, Darren Lee. Like some work, some don't. Reggie Ragland. That is the ultimate Brett Veach. Hey, you know what? That guy, you know, we think we can coach him up. And and Corey Davis is already good. They might look at him and go, we can make him great. Um, I think the Chiefs can do some of that with those mid-level guys. They're going to look the pounce. They're And especially, by the way, to an offensive player where they're going to go, look, you're going to be on primetime half the year. You're getting the ball from Mahomes. Come here, jack your value up through the roof. And then, hey, if we can resign you, great. And if you can't, you're going to make a fortune elsewhere. If you don't think agents and players aren't acutely aware of stuff like that, you're crazy. Guys know that stuff. Guys are very aware of that stuff. So I think I think those are some things to watch with the Chiefs, which it sounds crazy. We're like a month away from free agency. Five yeah. weeks, maybe. I mean, not yeah, like, yeah, like four and a half weeks away. It's, it's, it's coming up fast. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to watch them sort of retool this team get it ready for another championship run. And I think you're right. I think there's going to be some exciting moves made. Last year, they did some things, but on the whole, it was about trying to run it back, bringing back the same team that just won the Super Bowl. They almost did it again. Obviously, as time goes on, attrition happens. Weaknesses get exposed. It's time to it's time to make some, some changes, but uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, I think, more fun, a lot more fun than last offseason was. Because changes in football is fun. You bring in the guys and hope gets renewed. Right. And how, how are we going to play? What's going to be different next year? Should be fascinating to watch. And you can follow along with us all offseason because we will be here. And we won't just be here. Um, uh, also, if you checked out our last episode, we've expanded the podcast. Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor are joining the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. They so have their own show. They're going to be hitting you with content on Sunday nights, I believe. So you can expect their episodes dropping Sunday nights, Monday morning. Matt and I will be here on Thursdays in our regular slot. We may do some crossover episodes. We'll get ready for the draft. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you go back and check out our last episode if you didn't listen to that. We need you this offseason. Don't leave us hanging. We'll be here for you. Pumping you full of Chiefs news. Vertoram's out there already working the phones, doing some digging, finding out what's going on in the league. So you need to make sure you listen to this podcast. Make sure you listen to Stack in the Box. And, of course, make sure you go to Manscaped and buy some stuff over there and use the code fansided20 to get 20% off and free shipping. They are, they are supporting this podcast. If you are interested, you can help support this podcast by using that promo code because that's how they know if you guys listen to us when we tell you to buy things. So, you know, you want more from us? We want live events in, in, at Arrowhead and we're allowed to go outside again, all that kind of stuff. If you're able to support the podcast, we really appreciate it. And you can do that with your reviews over at Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on all those places that you can get podcasts. Apple, of course, is where we read your reviews at the top of the podcast. So make sure you leave us a written review over there. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at, at @rpatrickallen. He is at, at Matt Verderam. Make sure you follow Matt Connor at Matt Connor AA. I've got to memorize Sterling's uh Twitter account I have not so follow Sterling Holmes you'll be able to find him he writes on Arrowhead Attic of course follow Arrowhead Attic all right that's all we've got for today thanks for spending an hour with us plus maybe a little longer than an hour we appreciate y'all and we will see you next time and as always go Chiefs
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.